Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I want to talk for just a few minutes tonight about tongues in the church, about the proper order of tongues in the church and what the Bible says about speaking with other tongues in the church. Now, there are so many <laughs> different, uh, different directions uh, that, that I could go with this. Um, you know, we could have just stayed in the book of Acts and we could have talking about, talked about it uh, all along in the book of Acts, uh, but we didn't. Um, and then we, uh, you know, we could have uh, just done just 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and that's it, which that's probably what we're going to do because we don't have a lot of time tonight. Uh, but there's so many different directions that we could have went with this tonight. But I just felt in my spirit last week, every now and then I'll do a, a message, sometimes it's a smaller message, sometimes it's a larger message, on the proper use of tongues in a worship service or in the church. Because the Bible does give us boundaries and the Bible does give us parameters. The Bible teaches us that we need to use them, but it, but it also gives us the boundaries and the parameters. Now I want you to notice just contextually in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 we find where the Bible talks about spiritual gifts. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 we find where the Bible talks about love. That's the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 the Bible begins to talk about order in the church and the proper use of tongues and, how, and, and prophecy and things like that. So I think it's important to understand that sandwiched between the spiritual gifts and the proper use of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the love chapter which teaches us that love should be at the center of everything that we do because God is love. It's the very essence of who God is. Now 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let's start at verse number 1. The Bible says to follow after love or charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mystery. So we see right here in the very beginning, the Bible says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. So, so speaking in an unknown language to the Lord is a heavenly language, it's a spiritual language, where our spirit communicates in the spiritual realm with God. Okay? Now let's go on. He that prophesies speaketh unto men. And here's what the Bible says, to edification, to exhortation, and to comfort. So the parameters and the boundaries for prophesying today is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now let me say something about this. People, uh, people a lot of times that have the prophetic gift have a very difficult time living within the boundaries of that gift. Because a lot of times they want to use the prophetic gift to give people direction in their life. God never intended for a prophetic gift to be used for direction, according to the scripture, is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now in the Old Testament, before the cross, prophets gave directions and they gave directives to people. But in the New Testament, since the coming of the Holy Spirit, they don't do that anymore because the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our leader and our guide. So the Holy Spirit is to guide us and to lead us and to teach us in all truths. And then there's also 
um, a gifting in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 called the apostolic gift. And that apostolic gift is what God uses for direction in our lives, people speaking into our lives. So the prophetic gift can be used for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now that doesn't mean that people won't say, you know, that God won't say, well, you're going to go here and you're going to do this. You're going to... But when that happens, that is a confirmation of what God would have already spoken to you and it's used as, it's used as a confirmation which brings great edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's almost like, oh, wow, this is the direction of the Lord. Okay, this is wonderful, and this is great, and it's used as direction. And then the Bible goes on to verse number 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So the Bible teaches here that there are unknown tongues, which is for personal edification, and then there is the prophetic word, which is for the edification or the uplifting of the church. And then he goes in verse number 5, the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church said, I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. So I think it's very important to point out here in verse number 5 that the Apostle Paul was telling them, I do want you to speak in tongues. I wish you would speak in tongues. He said, but I would rather that you edified one another. He said, it would be great if you edified yourself, but it would be wonderful if you could edify one another. So I would rather that you prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. Now look at this. Except he interpret that the church may receive edification or edifying. So we see there tongues and interpretation addressed in a believer's meeting in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now I think it's important for us to understand a little bit about this church, the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was a raucous bunch. I mean, they, they were party animals. I mean, they were the very ones that, you know, uh, the, the apostles had to tell them. They said, you know, when you come together and have communion, you need to do it with, with godly sincerity because if you do it wrong, you can end up dead. And the reason that they had to talk about that was because, because the Bible says, He that partaketh of the body and the blood of Christ unworthily shall be in danger of judgment, and for this cause many sleep. Now, that's not talking about whether you have sin in your life. That's talking about receiving it in the wrong manner or the wrong way. Because when you study in context the Corinthian church, you find out that what they were doing was they were meeting every single day, going from house to house, they were breaking bread, having communion, they were praying, but they were kind of overdoing it on the wine part of communion. So it was turning into parties. I mean, if you study uh, Josephus and you study some of the historical books back then, so this was, the, this was a real big problem in the Corinthian church. They were constantly out of order because they were kind of like the wild child of the New Testament church. So, obviously, he had to talk to them about the proper use of tongues. So he said here, uh, except that he interpret that the church may receive edifying. And then he goes on and he says, Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? So he said there are four areas that I can talk to you that will give you uh, profit that will profit you. One is through revelation. One, I can give you knowledge. One, I can prophesy to you, thus saith the Lord, or I can teach you doctrine. 
and even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. So what he was saying was, go ahead and speak with tongues and edify yourself. But if you want to edify the body of Christ then you need to speak in words that people understand. And preferably when you do that, you do that through revelation, through knowledge, through prophesying, or through doctrine. So this is what he's teaching them, okay? He's not saying don't speak in tongues. He's just setting up the boundaries and the perimeters, parameters for it. Verse number 10, There are it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. So what Paul was telling the Corinthian church, he was telling this, he says, I get it. I know that you want to serve God. I know that you want the power of God to flow through you. I get the fact that you want to experience tongues and interpretation and the move of the Spirit of God. He said, I understand that. I get it. As much as you are zealous of these spiritual gifts, I get that. But he said, here's what you need to do. You need to seek that you may speak to the edifying of the church. So he's saying it's all right to speak in tongues, but focus more on trying to edify one another in a tongue that they can understand. Now, verse number 13, he begins to bring it back around to tongues and interpretation again because he's talking about how you're zealous of spiritual gifts and all of that. So he brings it back around to that. He said, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue Pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. And sometimes I might add that is advantageous for us because there are times when we don't know how to pray. I mean, I, had, I, I received a phone call yesterday that left me floored. And I didn't know what to do. I I was at the state office. I had to go into a room all by myself. And I was like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't, Lord, I need your help. And I just felt that, ooh, from the Holy Ghost, you know. And he began to help me and he began to encourage me. And he just kind of ministered unto me. And I caught myself by myself in the state office in a corner with spiritual tongues beginning to flow through me as the Holy Spirit began to edify and comfort me. And then the Bible said, What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. So what he's saying was, I'm going to pray in tongues and then I'm going to pray in understanding. I'm going to sing in tongues and I'm going to sing in understanding. And then he goes on and he he talks about praying in tongues and, and then praying with the understanding. There are times in our private prayer lives there are times when we don't know where to go, we don't know what to do, we, don't, we're, we need wisdom from God. And there are times when we are praying, maybe worship music, maybe you're in your, in your living room at home and you're walking back and forth or in your den or in your bedroom or wherever you spend your time with God on the back porch, the Florida room or wherever. 
Maybe you, you're doing that, and then the presence of the Lord will come upon you, and you'll begin to pray in tongues. But as you pray in tongues, the questions from the different things that you were asking God about begin to be answered inside of you, and so your understanding becomes enlightened as your spirit prays in tongues. So that's what that scripture means. I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I learned this principle years ago. I was having a very difficult time in my first church in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. It was early 90s. And I was praying and I had followed a... a, a, a I was in a very difficult situation. It was a small church. It was a storefront. I followed a guy that had been there for eight years. He was 38 years old. He had been sick for two years and he died of colon cancer. He got so sick that he actually sat there at the table and he would minister because he was so sick. Unbeknownst to me, the Sunday before I got there to pastor because the state overseer called me and said, I want you to come in and go ahead and take this church. It's ready for you. Unbeknownst to me, the Sunday before, his wife had burst through the doors and screamed to the 20 or 30 people that were there, he just died, he's gone. Well, I was an evangelist. I had been evangelizing for eight years. My motto was blow in, blow up, and blow out. So I, I brought my revival suitcases with me, buddy. I mean, we're going to have church. We're going to have a rowdy time. We're going to have, man, we're going to have a great time. So I get up on this Sunday morning after the announcement had been made that he had died, which I wasn't aware had died, and I got up and I'm just preaching this, and I'm wondering how come these 15 or 16 people are just sitting here and just looking at me like, wow, he's, he's got a lot of energy, you know? And I'm just preaching and all this kind of stuff, and the clerk walks up to me after church and she opens her arms and she says, come here. And she hugged me, an older lady. She said, we've trained a lot of pastors and I guess we'll train you too. She's my friend now, but I had to remove her as time went on because she thought she owned the place. But the thing, about, the thing that I'm, I'm wanting to tell you is as time went on, I began to understand the dynamics of this little church. This little church, and, 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 to, and to make matters even worse, we got there during the flood of 93. Cape Girardeau's on the Mississippi River. It was over flooding its banks. We had one person in the church that when you went to look at their house, all you could see was about that much of the top of their house. It was totally and completely underwater. The sewage from the Dairy Queen backed up into the basement of our little storefront where we were, and I lost all of my books, and I lost my degrees. I had to get replacement degrees and, and all of this kind of stuff. So not only had their pastor of eight years passed away, who was totally different than I was in a leadership style I found out later, but no, not only had he passed away, but now we're dealing with this flood in the whole entire community you know, and so I found myself one day, I found myself just in there praying, and I said, God, what in the world is going on? My goodness, I thought you brought me here to build a church, you know? And so I was just praying, I was walking back and forth and had the worship music on, and I began to feel the Spirit of God begin to rise up inside of me, and I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Now, I wasn't screaming and bouncing off the walls and things, but it was just kind of like an intimate time of just praise and worship. And, and as I would walk, and I noticed as I would walk and as I would pray in the Spirit that the answers were starting to come. 
I was starting to realize, okay, you do this and then you do this and then you do this. And when I would stop praying in tongues, it's like the understanding would stop. I would, that, that was it. But then I would go back and I would pray in tongues a little bit longer and then more understanding would come and more understanding would come and, and all of that. And so I began, to, I began to spend time with the Lord every single day and I would pray until I entered into the presence of God and I would sense the presence of God and I would feel the Spirit of God begin to try to stir inside of me and I would just yield to it. You know, and the Holy Spirit's not going to take over you. You're going to know when you're speaking in tongues. He's not going to hit you in the head with a hammer and you're going to wake up and say, oh, I'm speaking in tongues. That's not how it works. You're going to know, and, and you have to yield yourself to that. And so that's how I made it through about the first six months there at that church is every time I would get in a spot, I'd just go to prayer, and I would pray until I felt the Spirit begin to move upon me, and I learned something very valuable that day. If you pray in the Spirit, then you can eventually pray in the understanding also because the understanding comes. And so I learned that. And then I looked farther into that passage of Scripture right there, and then the Bible says, I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Well, I like to sing. So when the tongues would start coming, I'd just start singing them out. And I would just sing those tongues out. And there was a different level of intimacy with that. It was like, oh, wow, oh, whoo. It's almost like a Holy Ghost lullaby going on here. You know, I could just sense the presence of God. And just and I, So I would sing in the Spirit. And I noticed that as, as I would sing in the Spirit that I would receive the comfort of the Holy Ghost and, and, and all of this. And, and the understanding would just come anyway. So it was almost like God was saying, you can pray or you can sing. It's totally up to you. What kind, of a, what kind of a relationship do you want here? You know, I mean, you want to kiss me on the cheek, you want to hug me. I mean, it's kind of like it is with your wife. You walk in there, you kiss her, or you can hug her. Personally, I like hugging better. You know? But, but that, that's the point that I'm trying to make, is you can sing in the Spirit, or you can pray in the Spirit. And then the Bible said when we sing in the Spirit, and we pray in the Spirit, and we pray with understanding also. So that's what this means. It means when you pray in the Spirit, then the understanding can come. And then verse number 16, it says, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he doesn't understand what you're saying. So basically what he was saying was, unless it's in a corporate setting of believers in a prayer meeting or something like that, then uh, and, and there's tongues and interpretation and things of that nature, or maybe personal prayer one to the other, then when you're praying in a, in a corporate place and, the, and maybe through worship and the tongues are coming, then you're just really receiving personal edification and there are other people out there who don't really understand what's going. So how can you, going on, so how can you expect them to be in agreement with you in what you're praying if they don't, don't even understand what you're praying about? And so that's what that's saying. And it says, verse 17, he goes on, he builds on it. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. And then in verse number 18, because I think the people in the Corinthian church were probably starting to get like some people are right now. They were starting to say, wow, he doesn't believe in speaking in tongues. But in verse number 18, Paul just took care of that. He said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. So he goes on and he's teaching them the proper use of tongues. So what he was trying to do was reaffirm to them, I'm not telling you don't speak in tongues, but I'm telling you that there are boundaries in the Spirit for doing it, and there is a right way and there is a wrong way to do it. 
Then he goes on in verse number 19, and he further clarifies, he says, yet in the church, or in the assembly, the assembly of called out ones, in the church, he said, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Verse number 20, he goes on, he says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Verse 22, Wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, but prophesying serveth not for them which believe not, for, but for them which believe. So then he goes on and he tries to bring some balance into this thing. And so what he's saying is, I'm, I'm not telling you don't speak in other tongues. But you have to have the boundaries. And then he says, sometimes when we speak in other tongues, it actually gets the unbeliever's attention. Okay? And then he said, prophesying is for the believer's Tongues, he says, can sometimes get their attention. But then it goes on, verse 23. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all of them speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? The answer is yes. So in other words, if someone comes in here and and everybody is speaking in tongues, so they walk in the back door and instead of saying, Welcome to Lakewood, how are you? They just garble something in tongues. Then they get in a worship service saying, It's nothing but tongues, nothing but tongues, nothing but tongues. He's saying, That's way out of bounds. That's way out of balance. That's way out of bounds. Some people say, well, you know, I wouldn't want to be accused or I I wouldn't want to be guilty. That's what I wouldn't want to be guilty of hindering the Holy Ghost. Well, listen, if you're out of balance, you're hindering the Holy Ghost. You're hindering His work. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So it goes on and it says, But if all prophesy and there come in one that believed not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all and he is judged of all. So he's saying, speak with understanding. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Why? Because when you speak through prophecy, you speak words of revelation, words of knowledge, words of prophetic words, and words of doctrine. Howbeit is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm. He said, how come? When you come together, everyone has a song, everyone has a doctrine, everyone has a tongue, everyone has a revelation, everyone has an interpretation. He said, let all things be done unto edifying. So in other words, what he was saying was there's a whole bunch of people showing up here to church and every single one of you think you've got something you have to say. And he, said, and he goes on and he says, we've got to get some balance here. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it by, be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. So when it comes to tongues and interpretation in any given called believers meeting, the Bible said, let it be two and no more than three, and one person is to interpret. 
And then he goes on in verse number 28, And if there be no interpreter, let the person that gave the message in tongues keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. So what he was saying was, don't let this take over your entire service. Don't let it take over your entire service. I remember when I was growing up in church, we had a a lady and God bless her heart. I'm not going to call her by name since we live stream now and things like that. She, I I mean, her, her sons and I are friends. But I was a teenager and this lady, she would get up and she'd just get to going. And, and it's like every single service, you know, you could set your clock by it. Okay, we got 45 minutes of listening to the sister. Let's call her Sister Red. We got 45 minutes of listening to Sister Red. And she'd get up and she'd go like this. Oh, da, 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 and just go, 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 go. Okay? And so then it would be real quiet. And then she would try to interpret. And then we would try to start the service. And she'd start again. And on and, and it just went on and on and on and on. Here I am, I'm maybe 15, 16 years old. I'm training for ministry. So I go to the pastor one day with my Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, not trying to be a smart aleck, but I wanted to understand. I really did. I went to him open. I wanted my to understand. And I said, what about this? What about this passage of Scripture here? What about where the Bible said two and at the most three and one person interprets and and then when it comes to the prophets, basically the same thing. Uh, what, about, what about that? How can we have to sit in 45 minutes and, and listen to her? It, I mean, it got to the point where people were quitting bringing their friends to church. And I mean, it was really becoming chaotic. It was becoming a problem. And uh, he looked at me and he said, well, he said, it's all the same message. It's just a continuation of the same message. And I looked at him and I said, thank you, Pastor, for clarifying that for me. And I turned around and under my breath said, hogwash. What he's trying to teach us here is you can't let this kind of stuff take over the church. We're going to allow God to move. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit. Don't you think Holy Spirit is big enough to say what He needs to say in two or three? Don't you think he, He's smart enough to put that together? So then it goes on, verse number three, if anything or 30, If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And then it goes on, verse 32, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God's not the author. Here's the keynote, I think, of this entire uh, chapter here. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all the churches of the saints. So we see here in this passage of Scripture, we see in this passage of Scripture, we see the boundaries that God has set up for speaking with other tongues. Now we see the Apostle Paul saying, go ahead and speak with tongues. Pray in tongues, sing in tongues, do it with understanding, but keep it within the parameters and the boundary of God's Word. And when you do that, you will receive personal edification and the entire church will receive edification. When people... (laughs) The message has been received. Okay. When, when people leave the church after a service and they feel exhausted and empty, then there's a problem, right? Okay, so what we have to do, I, and here's the, thing that, here's the thing that I want to share with you and, and then we'll go. 
here's the thing that I want to share with you tonight. I believe, and I want you to hear me, hear me well. I believe very strongly in the move of the Spirit of God. I grew up in old-time Pentecost. How many know what old-time Pentecost is? Let me see your hand. Old-time Pentecost is where they shout and dance and run and scream and holler and buck and grunt and spit and run the pews and all that kind of stuff. I grew up in that. So I, I grew up around that. I grew up in that. And I would, at 12 years old, I was starting to have questions about some of the things that was going on. I was starting to think, you know, my goodness, uh, how in the world will the move of God ever attract, you know, somebody to, to, to the Lord? And, and so, so I, I grew up in that. As I started getting older and started maturing and really, really started digging out the Word of God and started studying the Word of God, I found out that it doesn't matter whether you grew up in old-time Pentecost. It doesn't matter whether you grew up old Baptist. It doesn't matter whether you grew up in a Catholic church. It doesn't matter. Every single faith, or, or, or I guess you would say arm of the Christian faith, has excesses. And so, you know, you, you can grow up in a Baptist church and you can... You can say, you know what, when I was growing up in church, this was happening, this was happening, this happened. and you could open up the Word of God just like I did right here, and you could see where there were places that were out of balance. I think what God is doing and what God has used me for through the years, one of the big things He's used me for is to bring a balance back to those that God gives me in the body of Christ to teach them, yes, there are good things, but we have to bring it into the parameters of the Word of God. We have to bring it into the boundaries of the Word of God. And here's what I've learned. As long as we stay in those boundaries, there's peace. But when we get out of the boundaries, there's chaos. When we get pulled too far one direction or we get pulled too far another direction, there's chaos that begins to develop. But when we stay within the boundaries of the Word of God, and we stay within those boundaries, and we're run by the Word, and we're not run by our emotions, but we're run by the Word of God, then in that place there is peace, and there is prosperity, and there is favor, and there is healing, but we have to stay there. Because once we get outside of those boundaries, well, you know what happens when you get outside of a boundary. You get yourself in trouble. And that's the same way it is with the move of the Spirit, and with speaking in other tongues. I believe in speaking with other tongues. The Bible teaches it. But if we do it in a corporate service, then it has to be done within the boundaries and the parameters of the Word of God. In your personal prayer life is where your tongues should be more active than anywhere else. In your personal prayer life. My goodness, you can pull down strongholds. You can pray in the Spirit. You can you know, pray in the Spirit and pray with understanding. You can experience God in a way you never knew you could experience Him before when you allow that spiritual language to flow through you in your personal prayer time. See, you don't come to church. We don't come to church for that personal prayer time. We come to church for instruction and for the power of the prayer of agreement and for corporate and for fellowship. But when it comes to intercessory prayer the most effective intercession that we will ever do is in our personal prayer closet when it's just us and God. Just us and God. Amen. Did this help you tonight? Does it help you understand it? Does it clarify, clear some things up? Okay. All right. Let's all stand.
Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.